It is hard to take any opportunities when you're drowning. It's all yeah. Right. yeah. All right. Perfect. With that, that was we the pass- message of Titanic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll if only never they- roll, Jack. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine that the heart of the ocean just made you drown on dry land? <laughs> they could have fit a whole tabletop RPG on top of that door. <laughs> Welcome to Dungeon Busters, your Dungeons & Dragons actual play experiment. I'm Diego, a professional dungeon master and actor. And I'm Michael, an actor and role-playing addict. Each episode, we summon a special guest who helps us give your game inspiration one encounter at a time. We don't just play D&D, we we put put it it to the test. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Dungeon Busters podcast. Uh, my name is Michael C. Hyatt, and as always, I am joined by my wonderful co-host, Diego F. Salinas. And today, our wonderful special guest is Kevin Rambarand. Thank you for joining us, Kevin. Uh, Kevin is a comedian, artist, and restaurateur, host of the podcast Oops All Segments, and the actual play podcast What We Do in the Basement, where he is the DM. So thanks for joining us, Kevin. Oh, thanks for having me, y'all. I'm glad I got to be a wonderful special guest that's like extra levels of... Oh. uh, Yeah, yeah. No, I'm so excited to be here. So excited to bust some dungeons. Yeah, Yeah, man. (laughs) So you you DM your own actual play podcast, um, What We Do in the Basement. How long have you been doing that? And what's what's, uh, what's it all about? That's a good question. I uh it's 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 we've been doing it for I guess quite a while now. It comes out bi-weekly. We have I think our 45th episode just came out. Oh wow. And Congrats. so stands to reason that that's we started recording like right at the beginning of the pandemic and we started mm. releasing maybe like halfway through the middle of the pandemic. Um mm. and so I we've been doing it for almost 2 years. Um it's uh it's it's a comedy D&D let's play show. Uh, it's we're pretty loose and fast with the rules, if I'm being honest, like we use the rule book and we we do follow them. And sometimes I'm hard on my players. But uh, I think for the most part, it's 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 a comedy show where, where I have these other improvisers, Thomas, who's been on the show before, mm. uh, uh, Jesse Bergen, Luke Cecilon, Tasha Duran, these very funny people. And we we just get together and we've been playing this arc that we've been running through my goal. I'm hoping to take them to session 100 um, Ooh, and, yes. and actually run the gamut of 20 levels all the way up there. Yes, uh, we'll nice. see. We'll That's see. beautiful. That's amazing. Yeah, and folks who listen to Dungeon Busters will remember uh, Thomas Tolls from Busting Traps. Watch your yeah. schlep. Very, yeah. very yeah. funny episode that y'all should check out if you haven't already. A lot of good schlep. info on traps there. Yeah. yeah, I also saw that you guys got some cool merch, too. Thomas was wearing uh, one of your yeah. merch shirts at the theater. Yeah, yeah, we have we have we have some merch options available that because Jesse, who's on the podcast, is a is a graphic designer by like like that's his his day job uh and he's a great graphic designer i've done a lot of graphic design so we're very passionate about making cool things so we still sell merch for our show and we we have them available all the time and they're they're cool little shirts so yeah, yeah. they look really fun that's awesome yeah. you've been running a lot of D, uh mm-hmm. so i would love to know and i'd love to kind of start uh broaching the subject of our topic here today mm-hmm. we are busting cursed items yeah so i'd love to know what is all everyone around the table what is your experience with cursed items in D&D? Are there some that you remember that we were like, wow, that was awesome, or you know, maybe you're not a fan of them? What, what's your vibe on them? Yeah, you know, personally, I DMing cursed items is a lot of fun, and I think it's something that, like, especially narratively, creates, like, a lot of um, extra layers to what's happening. Uh, like, on, mm-hmm. on, on, it adds, like, levels of dynamics. You can really kind of, like, 
take something. I think it's a nice way to like give a shot in the arm to to a part of a campaign. Yeah. All of that being said, I have rarely used them because mm-hmm. I feel like they require a bit of long planning and long term thinking mm-hmm. that um, you only really get the opportunity to do when you're playing. Uh, for a long time, I am. Yeah. Um, I'm just starting to kind of dabble with that with our podcast, and and, and like starting to introduce some of like the darker side of the lore that they've been mm. dealing with on the world. And so mm. it's fun to kind of like I'm just bringing in cursed items. So when when we were talking about kind of what we wanted to do this episode, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, that this is going to be helpful for me because I'm going to like see how we do it too, and and bring it in. I I really like what when you take a cur- an item. And you give that like its relationship with the curse, like a personality, like that, that, that yes. it's a good way to yeah. like, you know, listeners of other Let's Plays, NADPOD does a really great cursed item in their campaign that they're doing right now, not another D&D Ooh. podcast. And they have like this helm that has like charges that you have to, uh, you have to like roll certain things to to not, uh, to like help you at the end of night unless this curse will attack you. But they always do this really cinematic uh, way of like explaining how successful or, or unsuccessful like uh, uh, the interaction with the curses and i just think that there's a lot of cool opportunity with cursed items so that yeah. I, I have limited experience but i am excited yeah i think uh I, I have a limited experience too actually so i'm really excited for this episode as well i've uh, one of my players in a pirate theme campaign that i was doing got a cursed dagger that like Ooh. thirsted for blood so i had to do like a certain <laughs> amount of damage to uh, other like creatures that like actually had blood because I did damage against like a rock cr- like creature, but elemental it didn't count or something, yeah, and it didn't yeah. work, yeah. So, um, yeah. that was challenging, otherwise, it would like affect my overall HP at the end. So, oh, that's cool, yeah, pretty, uh, intense. But I only got to play sort of the first part of uh, the curse. I we, I, we only had it for a couple sessions, and then as campaigns are one to do, it fizzled out. Um, so I never got like closure from this cursed item. Mm. Um, and you're, you've never shaken the curse. Yeah. I've never shaken the yeah. curse. I'm still cursed. So, uh, I, I think it's interesting to play with like, uh, yeah. What like thematically, like why give certain players like a cursed item? Mm-hmm. What will mm-hmm. it bring out of them? Like character wise, I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it does allow for like a, an extra level of role play from people who maybe aren't necessarily as inclined to it because it's, it's mm-hmm. a bit of like, a you know, players who are less uh, excited about role playing and are more into maybe numbers crunching or the other elements of D and think cursed items give them an opportunity to like, uh, it takes some of the pressure off because you're really, it can be between you and the DM. Like those, mm. a lot of the, that role playing and a lot of that, or even within yourself. And I think that that can feel like a comfortable space for people who are maybe not as cool role playing with like larger groups and don't want to be like, well, I know what my character would do in a team of five and how they talk during this, you know, so yeah. I think that's kind of handy. I never considered that as like cursed items as a good, because I, I love things that like take at, like encourage people to engage in the parts of the game that they might not be like as comfortable with. Yeah. And the idea of like cursed items as like a really nice, like, just gateway into deeper role playing. I think that is a mm-hmm. very, very fun thing. And yeah. honestly, I'm not surprised that a lot of people haven't run cursed items in their games or haven't encountered them as players. Cause I was looking through the, through the dungeon master guide mm-hmm. and I went through all the magic items. And as far as I could see, there were four cursed items Whoa. in the whole list of <laughs> oh, magic really? items <laughs> That's, that wizards wow. of the coast gives you. <laughs> I went and read like the DMG page on like magic items and it has like a little section on cursed items, but it's like 
like four sentences and it kind of wow. just really mm-hmm. gives a kind of a very ba- like a baseline uh idea mm-hmm. of like what like constitutes a cursed item like what the characteristics in yeah. general are and i was well, more of the work left up to the dm than than in some of the other things i guess right? absolutely yeah. absolutely and i think this is and you know there are probably some really great supplemental 5e Materials yeah. oh, that have like a bevy of cursed of items. D&D, you know I don't think any. so, Diego. There's nobody <laughs> ever makes supplemental materials. No, yeah, no one, no one would do that. <laughs> yeah, but no. if our listeners know of any really cool five e cursed item compendiums, uh, please mm. feel free to let mm-hmm. us know. DNGN Buster's Pod on social media, DungeonBustersPod yeah. at gmail.com. Yeah, be I'll more than happy to, to know Google what you play with, so that I can steal some of those ideas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe we can even play test some of them in the future. But yeah, I think that gives us kind of a good baseline of where we all are with cursed items. Yes. So why don't we go down to the Dungeon Busters lab and mm. see what we got in store today. All righty. Welcome into the Dungeon Busters lab. Happy to have you all in here. Uh, first thing we're going get, to get to do is just get a baseline of the characters that y'all brought into the session today. So I asked both of y'all to prepare a fourth level character. So I'm very interested to see what y'all got. Uh, let's go ahead and kick it off with our special guest, Kevin. Would you like to yeah. tell us a little bit about your character? Yeah, for sure. Um, my character's name is Fitzroy Doppel. Um, Fitzroy is a dragonborn. He's, um, you'll have to forgive me because I'm looking at multiple tabs as I do this, as, okay. is, the, as is the way. Um, but Fitzroy Doppel is a, a, he's a dragonborn. Uh, he's in his, he's in his like mid to late thirties. Very, um, very like sort of put upon. He didn't, Get ma- he, he's a graduate. I should spe- spell this out. He is a graduate of Faust Academy of Necromancy and Dark Stuff. He's mm-hmm. a wizard. He's a level four wizard. He's focusing on necromancy, obviously. And um, he's he's interested in trying to make friends and make connections because he didn't really. He went to this adult education school for necromancy, and it didn't really didn't really grant him the amount of you know community connection that he might have thought it would because he's just a, a little bit less easy to handle than some people might like. He's got a nose <laughs> ring. He wears these these nice big sort of glasses and uh and, and he carries a spell book with him on his back and his wizard's robes and he's he's just a he's just a he's just trying to have a have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Well welcome to the table, Fitzroy Doppel. All right. Um, well I think perhaps your time at that college uh did give you one community connection and that would be Tethryn Vice. Uh, he is a tiefling, uh, level four uh, tiefling barbarian, uh, Path of the Zealot. And he uh, serves, uh, he, he serves those who follow, practice like the necrotic arts. Um, and he mm. uh, like serves a deity that laughs in the face of death or maybe controls death in its own way. Um, yeah. And he is uh, set out to help like, uh, necromancer reach like their full potential so i think uh he's <laughs> come across uh fitzroy and sees quite a lot of potential and uh i will um i'll protect you uh and <laughs> i will fight for you and and all that you uh that all that you're seeking all the knowledge that you're seeking as long as you keep me alive and bring me <laughs> back and uh, make sure that i can never die uh <laughs> Got your like best 
hype men of the undead here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's serving necromancy. He is serving uh, necromancy. <laughs> uh, yeah. And he's a tiefling. So he is, you know, shirtless, red skin, big horns. He's got this massive, uh, uh, great sword on his hip. Uh, he's ready to mess some people up. Amazing. Well, welcome to the table, Tethryn Vice. So here's a little context for where your characters are today. Cove's End is one of the many quaint coastal towns around the dark water sea that has fallen from an era of plenty into times of scarcity. Over the years, many have chosen to leave behind a life at the water's edge in search of opportunity elsewhere. Recently, some of the locals have noticed strange occurrences in and around the town. Strange symbols drawn on the sandy beaches to be washed away by the time the high tide rolls in. Whispered hymns echoing throughout the sea caves on the outskirts of town. And all manner of strange newcomers arriving into the small settlement. Not to mention the priest's weekly sermons draw an increasingly dwindling congregation. At the priest's urging, you have decided to investigate this clandestine meeting that you believe is happening during low tide in one of the sea caves on the outskirts of the town of Cove's End. What do you all like to do? I think Fitzroy is um, treading along sort of the the, the, the coastline uh, towards this cave kind of opening, and I think he's he's perhaps just like um, finishing putting out maybe their fire and organizing their most recent camp you know, so that they can depart and uh, puttering about, as it were. Uh, Tethryn uh, is sort of standing along the shoreline, listening to, trying to catch wisps of the hymns through the air Mm. uh, as he stands uh, with his prayer wheel up, sort of spinning (laughs) it slowly. Um, He uh, sort of mumbles to himself, uh, just loud enough for Fitzroy to hear, "Uh, I think the signs are good for potent necromantic energy in this region. It's a good thing uh, the priest is not suspecting. Feeling uh, optimistic, are we? <laughs> oh boy, uh, I'm very excited to see uh, see how 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 much uh, how much energy I can channel today. <laughs> you you always believe in me so much. I have absolute faith in you. It is unyielding <laughs> and unbreakable. You will rise to power. I can sense it. <laughs> uh, that, thank you very much, Tavlin. Yeah. You're so kind. <laughs> Uh, uh, do, you, do you do you suppose um you could uh, maybe just help me? The, the logs are a little heavy, and uh, <laughs> you've got all those muscles, and <laughs> uh, I just want to move some of this stuff out of the way. <laughs> yes, uh, and I'll help uh, Fitzroy uh, pack up camp and uh, set off in uh, the direction of <clears throat> the cave. Oh boy! <laughs> I'd, uh, when when uh, when when there were two sets of footsteps, uh, <laughs> it was it was both of us walking. But maybe I'll just hop on your back, and you can carry me. <laughs> I mean, if you. Want me to carry you? I will, but oh, you don't have to. It, I thought you'd be more. It's okay. I was expecting enthusiasm. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I'll carry you on my back. Yeah, definitely. I would love nothing more to carry you and our supplies. <laughs> We, all on my back. That sounds great. Oh, th- thank you so much. You're so nice to me. You know, no one's no one's really that that kind to me. Usually, they kind of just blow me off. <laughs> but I, I'm glad to have had you on these last few adventures with me. Yes, we have come across some interesting uh, information. 
And so That's... on on the back of Tethryn Vice, uh, Fitzroy <laughs> hops upon, uh, and Tethryn walks you all amongst the sandy shore uh, to the mouth of the sea caves. The low tide has made it so that you can uh, wander in, and there are little sections where the sea is threatening to lap up into the walkable areas. You can make your way deep into the sea caves, undisturbed. Come across a grisly sight. The dim light from the red ritual candles casts an eerie glow over the smudged sigils and glyphs painted on the stone floor of the cultist's hidden sea cave. The roar of the sea echoes throughout the cave as you take in the sight of the slain salt speaker cultists at your feet. In the center of the smudged ritual stone, a dead masked salt speaker lays in final rest with his hands clutched around a silver coral trident embedded in another cultist. Another corpse dangles from the shattered wooden door of a hidden closet. You recognize the lifeless face of one of the unmasked salt speakers as that of the blacksmith of Cove's End. What would you all like to do? Oh, boy. (laughs) This looks like uh, there's a lot of... uh recently dead <laughs> um, uh, I think I'd like to figure out how recently the folks around us have passed away based on what I'm what I'm looking at yeah go ahead and either roll investigation or medicine mm-hmm. 16 yeah with a 16 on your investigation check yes you're able to deduce that most of the corpses in this sea cave are bearing like three punctured wounds the coral trident that's clutched in one of these dead cultists' hand uh, is a three-pronged trident, and you can mm. see that a lot of the people that are dead here have a three-hole trident puncture mm-hmm. uh, somewhere on their body. You surmise that that is the instrument of their demise. You can also tell that these folks have been dead maybe like two hours, not long at all. Oh, oh boy, uh, freshly dead, and it looks like this guy did quite a bit of damage. I'm pointing at the, the person holding the three, three-pointed, the trident, as it were. They were unworthy of the power that they wielded. And uh, I think Tethryn will walk up and clutch the trident. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh boy, I'm going to slide off his back as he's doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Fitzroy slides oh. off of Tethryn's back as you go to the center of this like ritual stone, all the dead cultists around you. You put your hand onto the trident and you can feel, for a moment, it feels like you're holding a conch shell up to your ear. You can hear the roar of the ocean uh, within your head where it subsides. Uh, Feel anything? (laughs) Yes, I can hear the ocean. I'm picturing... A sea of fire, a blaze, destruction. <laughs> wow. I don't, I don't, mind if I take a look? I'm going to come it's, grab the thing as well. Yes, it's quite calming, actually. <laughs> oh, yeah. boy, I could use to relax a little. I'm going to grab the cursed item as well. Or not the cursed item, the trident. You grab the trident as well, and upon doing so, you hear the same roar of the ocean uh, in your ears. Ah. Distinct from the roar of the ocean that you're hearing inside of the, the sea caves that you're in, it overwhelms your hearing for a moment before passing like the tide. Ooh. 
that was kind of give me the willies. <laughs> um, Our, could I um could I spin this trident around and try to get a feel for like uh, how I would use this martially? Yeah, let me see and, here. Uh, yeah, just kind of taking some thrusts with it. With sure. it, I'm familiar with like using a javelin, so I feel like I know some of the forms that might work. I'm gonna let go it. before you start doing <laughs> yeah, the yeah. spins. So, <laughs> yeah, this, is a, this is a thrown weapon. You can throw it um, <laughs> pretty easily. You feel like your optimal range would be between 20 and 60 feet. Uh, it's also quite versatile, and you can wield it uh, two-handed or one-handed uh, as you desire. And it is a very, very fine construction. It is made of, like, it appears to be, like, like metal from, like, an old harpoon that has gotten encrusted with coral. Uh, and this dead coral, silver in nature, uh, has come to, like, a three-pronged mm. trident's finish. Yeah, it feels very, very good. Cool. You can also see that it has some, like, markings and etchings on it that would take probably some time uh, of, like, independent study to really attune to what this mm-hmm. trident is about. I think I'm, I'm going to go over to the, 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 the closet, uh, yeah. the, the sort of smashed-in secret closet. Described. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do so. Looking inside, you see that there are reams of paper, uh, a small... A jewelry box uh, and a leather-bound book. Oh, love me a good book. (laughs) I'll be uh, flipping that open, taking a look at what's in there. Yeah, as soon as your hand touches the book, it feels damp and smells (laughs) of brine and rotting fish. Oh. You thumb your fingers over the the cover, um, and it feels, like, nice and, like, wet and, like, leathery. Even the... The leather of it has like puckered like a hand that's been in water too long. Ooh. Um, you flip it open and uh what languages do you speak? Um I speak common, draconic, and dwarvish. Yeah, you are unfamiliar with the writings uh inside of this book. You cannot decipher this language. Huh. Doesn't seem like um, anything I know. If I uh, were to come over and peek uh, over Fitzroy's shoulder, uh, yeah. being able to understand abyssal and common draconic and infernal, would well, I perhaps gleam anything? Yeah, you uh, look your, you look over Fitzroy's shoulder and instantly recognize the language is abyssal. This is a book of hymns. Uh, it's a hymnal. Great oh. songs from the abyss. Give me a religion check. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, I'll tell you what I read. (laughs) Unfortunately, you're not quite able to to parse through and understand who 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 these hymns are for, what they're meant to do. You can uh, clearly understand like actual words on the page, but a little bit of like the subtext and the context. The contextual meaning is really missing from it. You're, you're not really that religiously familiar with what this hymn book might be honoring or devoted to. It's well, got a nice melody, but I don't really know what they're talking about. Though. Seems like a nice tune, then, I guess. Huh. Um, yeah, perhaps something uh, to hold on to. The, the reams of paper that were there, these are just like sort of left, like extra papers, just lots of extra papers. Yeah, around. a lot of them look like they've been. They're kind of compiled uh, mm-hmm. in, in a, not like bound together, but just like kind of 
bound together and twine and whatnot. A lot of yeah. them seem like they've been ripped out of different types of journals, manuscripts, parts sure. of atlases and other And maps. the languages of this are all abyssal as well? Or I don't These are mostly them. in common. Some are, okay. are varied in other languages uh, that you can't understand. Some are in uh, Dwarvish even. Like you can see some star charts as well. Go ahead and give me an investigation check, please. Sure. Ooh, yeah, 22. Nice. You parse through these papers rather quickly, and you're quickly able to deduce that this is... All these papers are tied to astrological meetings and ancient constellations. A lot of these papers seem to have been ripped out of materials relating to, like, sea craft and uh, mm. uh, naval navigation. Ah, ah. Looks like someone's trying to... Chart a course. <laughs> you know, I once took a course that I was quite good at, and it was it was, it was uh, actually a specialist course in necromancy, which was understanding languages. Unfortunately, uh, in one ear out the other with me, I can't seem to stick. Nothing seems to stick. <laughs> so, <laughs> it just just means that you were not destined to need that information. I I I guess so, friend. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna walk out of this closet. Um, and uh, so, sorry, you said there were some corpses around. <clears throat> yeah, there are corpses. And there was a jewelry box in that closet as well. Oh, right? shit. There yeah, was I forgot a jewelry, about the jewelry box. box. Uh, yeah, the, the parent, I, I, <laughs> I'm going to let you look at that because uh, I'm oh. more interested in the dead. Uh, okay. <laughs> do, I, do I get the sense that um, uh, the, the, the person that died here, the, the one that was holding the, the trident, do they seem to be, I'm still in character voice, uh, do they seem to be... <laughs> um, uh, uh, like sort of, based on what I can interpret from the uh, the, the bodies here, does they do they does it seem like that person slayed the majority of the other people? Go ahead and roll an investigation check. Here we go. That of eight, darn eight. You can see it would it would be the 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 easiest deduction. Yeah, it would be it would seem like the simplest thing would be that this one person slayed a bunch of them. Though you sure. are seeing that the, the, this dead guy that had the trident, uh, he the, the person that he was kind of stabbing, they also stabbed him uh, with sure. like a little dagger uh, and I got see. him like right in the chest. Uh, it seems like mm-hmm. one of those things where they clashed together and both died, uh, none, none the victor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, okay, okay, okay. Um, I'll uh, pop open that uh, jewelry that yeah. box. Mm-hmm. Inside of the jewelry box, you find a couple of like rusted coins, uh, as well as a gold ring inscribed with intricate wave imagery on it. Interesting. Um, I think I'll pocket the rusty coins, and then I'll... I'll um, turn uh, to Fitzroy and say there's a strange ring in here. I can't uh, is there any language on it at all? It's just a symbol? Just uh, like um, inscriptions of waves uh, no no words that are, are visible on, on the band. Uh, and I'll sort of uh, toss it to Fitzroy and Ugh. I wonder um, does this seem magical? in any nature to you. Um, Fitzroy's going to uh, drop the arm of the corpse he was looking at <laughs> and um, uh, and to catch the ring and take a closer look at it. He's like, well, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, 
Let me uh, try it on, and I'm gonna just slip it on my finger. I've got that wavy drip. <laughs> <laughs> it it matches your aesthetic, I think. You know, it looks good on you. It matches my nose ring. Uh, yes, it does. <laughs> Maybe you should, unless you need swap a new it out. nose ring, you could. Do you want me to swap yeah. out my nose ring for this ring? You could go to the blacksmith, and then I recognize the dead blacksmith in the corner. <laughs> or, uh, well, in the next town over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you slip the ring onto your finger, and the smell of salt water fills your nose. And salt water also fills your lungs. You are actively drowning right now. Oh. What? Uh, what is your constitution modifier? Oh, boy. Uh, uh, my constitution modifier is plus two. Plus two. You have uh, both of you roll for initiative right now. Oh, oh shoot. Oh, son of a bitch. Uh, I'll, I'll say uh, real quick. I, I think I put that tome of hymns probably in my backpack. Sounds good. I, I got an 11. I got a six. Amazing. Uh, great. So starting off with Fitzroy, you have two rounds before you drop to zero HP oh, and begin to drown. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Fitzroy, you get the first move. What would you like to do? Uh, I'd like to take the ring off. I'd like to take the ring off. Uh, you begin tugging at the ring, uh, but it, it is latched on there. Um, it, it feels as if your finger has swelled like a bloated corpse. Uh, oh, no. Please give me an arcana check. Uh, sure. Uh, uh, oh, dear. I do have plus five. That's a 21. 21, yeah. You are able to uh, slide the ring off. Uh, it kind of crackles a little bit with magic as you do so. Uh, you expel all the seawater from your lungs. You are both, no, now both out of initiative. Okay. Sure, I think I blast out some fire breath to clear Oop. out my, <laughs> to like evaporate the rest of the water from my mouth because I'm a brass dragonborn. Yes. Uh, and I'm like, oh, 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 oh my god. Oh, gods. Oh. So is it magical? Oh. It it made me feel like I was it filled me with water with uh, lungs with water. Oh god, I could I was drowning. What is what is wrong with this thing? Who would wear this? Uh, I have no idea. Oh, maybe one Ooh. of these. Does it look like we just found it in the box, right? Like it wasn't on. Yeah, anybody. it was in that in that hidden closet. No one was wearing it. Perhaps a nasty uh, trick we could pull on somebody. Uh, yeah. To, uh, oh, jeez. I'm gonna I'm gonna pocket the wavy ring of making me drown. And uh, can I do like an Arcana check on it to see if I recognize any of the any of the magic that's coming off of it? Yeah. Go ahead and and uh, roll Arcana. Boom. The uh, nine. Yeah. You'd probably need a, a, a spell like um, identify or detect magic to really know what is the 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 specifics of this. Ah. You just are tuned into the fact that it like has that um, sea imagery, you know, mm-hmm. carved mm-hmm. into it. Yeah. Well, hey, that sucked. That sucked a lot. Um, uh, do you do you, do you think maybe these uh, people were up to something a little more sinister than just uh, fighting with tridents? <laughs> yes. Um, perhaps they were serving something. Well, I imagine they were, um, but I don't like, don't quite know what. And can we look around to see if there's any like uh, mm. symbols of like if they're serving a god or a certain uh, any sort of deity religious. or entity? Yeah. Yeah. So where the um, 
where you found the dead person with the trident, mm -hmm. they were on like a ritual slab, a ritual table there. Uh, and the table mm -hmm. was on each corners. It had red candles that uh, had been had begun to burn quite low. They also had like sigils and glyphs uh, smudged onto the table. It seems like in the ruckus, uh, y'all can deduce that that's what caused the symbols to smudge. They're not quite as complete as they would have been probably at the beginning of whatever ceremony or ritual was occurring here. Mm. Um, but go ahead and roll a religion check. That's a 15. And uh, I, I got an 11. 11, no, yeah. So with that um, 15, Tethryn, you were able to tune in to a couple of sea debris. You see that uh, completing this ritual slab, there are like pieces of driftwood, sea glass, kelp, marine line, um, oyster shells. Like a lot of like detritus from the sea had been originally, it seemed, carefully placed around here, uh, but since scattered. Around the around the room uh, in the fight that broke out. Uh, seems like there's some sort of ocean deity. I see a lot of marine lighted items around, um, and it doesn't look like. Does this room? Could we tell? Like, does it fill up at high tide? Yeah, you can see the <laughs> high oh, no. water mark on the wall, uh, and it would come up to you know the room is like 20 feet high. It comes up like 15 feet. Oh, oh okay. okay. And It'll we be are below that deadly. high tide line, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it is low tide right now. Okay. Goody. Goody. Um, is, there, is this the only room in here? Are there other rooms that we could explore? It looks to be like the end of the cave. It, it, the, mm -hmm. it, the cave ends in this, uh, in this little chamber here. Um, other little cracks and crevices uh, are around there, but none that you could fit through. N none that a, like a medium-sized person could fit through. Okay. Sure, sure. I and, think um, I'm gonna, okay. Sorry, I'm just gonna take a look at. I, I'd like to just like make sure I do a good solid once over of all of these bodies, um, uh, and and like rummage through their stuff. Having deal dealt with the the dead many times and, and and the recently dead, I think I just would like to make sure that there there isn't anything being carried by these folks that I would uh, you know maybe miss. <laughs> Yeah, you, they all have their own uh, unique masks, uh, also kind of forged out of uh, smoothed wood, and they're very, they're, they very much take like a different contour on each person and have their own markings and etchings uh, mm. on each of them. Um, but as you're parsing through the bodies, mostly it seems like these people arrived in these ritual robes that they're wearing. Uh, mm. Some have like really... Uh, fancy uh, jewelry on them. Uh, some might have a small coin purse at their side. Most are carrying a dagger or scimitar of some sort. You recognize the craftsmanship as that of the blacksmith that you'd met earlier in your time in Cove's End. Mm. As you're parsing mm. through one of these bodies, though, you find tickets to a passenger vessel that is traversing the dark water sea. Uh, in one week's time, leaving from one of the ports further down uh, the coast. It looks like someone was uh, headed uh, headed across the little dark wind. <laughs> Interesting. Also, uh, uh, I, I, I think I'd like to cast Detect Magic and just see if I can pull anything from nearby. Yeah. You get... Or the ring. 
Yeah, you get um, your detect magic uh, is able to pick up on the transmutation magic that is embedded in the ring. Mm. You also notice that the trident uh, glows in the light as well. Uh, it seems to have been enchanted to be more powerful than it appears. Uh, you recognize this as a plus one trident. Oh, uh, looks like that's got some serious uh, serious capabilities there. <laughs> you might be able to lodge that into somebody else. <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> question, in the pack that Tethryn is carrying, does the tome that he put in his mm. start glowing as well? The tome does not glow. And no other jewelry or coins uh, or items or weapons that in this room uh, light up at the in the presence of detect magic either. That staff also has wavy drip. <laughs> yes. Uh, unfortunately, it's not dripping with magical potency. <laughs> That's more exciting. But uh, just to recap, um, the priest in the town sent us here. Was he hoping for us to find? He's Wants to know, like, why yeah. people, like, there are less people joining the congregation or, like... Just generally been, like, kind of creeped out by all the all the symbols he's seen that have ap- been appearing mm. on the sand. His congregation's been dwindling, but that's been happening for years as more and he's more He's just people. also not a very good priest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's very boring, drones on. Um, but generally, yeah, he was just kind of like, there's a lot of weird things going on saw some folks with swords come into town and were like, hey, if you want to take a look at it for me, you know, I got to stay at the temple, but, you know, come go check this out for me. Well, it certainly does seem like something's afoot. I'll say that. Yes. Uh, or a fib. Some uh, religious zealot has come and uh, convinced these people to serve some other master, it would seem. Is there anything else y'all would like to do in the sea cave? Well, I think I'm uh, about uh, about settled here. I don't know if uh, there's much more to do with these dead bodies. I mean, this is we can tell somebody that we found this, I guess, and make sure that it gets that it cleaned up. <laughs> I mean, should we drag the bodies out of here? They're all gonna wash away at high tide, and some oh, of them are Fitzroy. members of the community. Oh yeah, that's true. Fitzroy, with your passive perception, you are able to tell that the water has risen three inches since y'all have wandered into the sea cave. Okay, well, I think it's uh, about time, high time, that we get these uh, get these bodies out of here. And, uh, you know, insert it in the advance of high tide. <laughs> perhaps, I tried for uh, a joke, but I stumbled through it. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> no, it was it was excellently executed. It was superb. I oh, you're so nice to me. Um... <laughs> Uh, and, uh, yeah, um, uh, Tethryn will begin, uh, like, hauling bodies over his shoulder yeah. and just taking them out of the cave and putting them above, like, the high tide line. Yeah. Uh, I think he's hoping that they'll get a few extra coin for, like, bringing people back. Yeah. As opposed mm-hmm. to letting them be washed to sea. Yeah, Perfect. yeah. I'm going to awesome. pocket those tickets that I found, too, just make sure that I have oh, those. Excellent. Amazing. Yeah. So uh, over the next, uh, I don't know, like 45 minutes or so, you drag the rest of the bodies out of the sea caves, uh, placing them uh, carefully on the beach. Uh, You were able to relay all this information in due course with the town priest. uh, Mm -hmm. And though there was a lot of grief 
in this town, especially since these a lot of these folks were trusted members of the community. Uh, you can tell that it's going to take some time for the people of Cove's End to come to terms with what has happened here. Mm-hmm. But right now, we're actually going to do a time skip. Ooh. Ooh. Two weeks Ooh. later. <laughs> hot on the trail of the salt speakers, you are now aboard the vessel for which you found tickets. Nice. A large wave slams against the side of the passenger vessel, causing you and everyone else in the belly of the ship to struggle to stay upright. Lightning flashes through the hatch above you, followed by another deep roll of thunder and unrelenting sheets of rain. Most of the other passengers keep to themselves, some struggling to hold down their breakfast in the storm. But a group of people keep shooting you to dirty looks. Another passenger is taken to lighting red candles around a makeshift altar where they are absorbed in prayer. Another wave slams the starboard side, which encourages some to give up the relative dryness of the hold in search of fresh air on the decks. What would you all like to do? Tethryn vomits. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh boy. Oh, dear. Um, Not the biggest fan of the sea. Uh, Uh, One thing I would like to know before we uh, go into this next part is you had some time to spend with the trident. Uh, It needed attunement. Which one of you has attuned to the trident? I think that's probably Tethryn, right? I I think think Tethryn totally has attuned to it. (laughs) This is so cool. Which one (laughs) of you is currently possessing the hymn book? Oh, I, I might mean, have that too. I think I think Tethryn might have it as well. If it's, uh, yeah, I think Tethryn has it. And I think so. Which one of you possesses the Ring of Drowning? I think I probably have the ring. Yeah. So. The I think uh, Tethryn has probably like flipped through the hymn book more to try to figure out like yeah. who is this about? Like what God? Yeah, is this he understands about? it better than I do. So I feel yeah. like if, I, if I'm holding it, I'm holding a book I don't understand. Give uh, me a religion check, Tethryn. Okay. That's a dirty 20. Dirty 20, yes. You've managed to key in on a certain name and epithet that is repeated over and over throughout this tome. You keep seeing the name Stibiso, the Trench Demon, surface over and over again throughout the pages of this brief book. Ah... Excellent. Stibiso the Trench Demon. Do we know anything yeah. uh, about uh, Stibiso the Trench Demon? Do, would we know any lore or yeah. any religious? Both yeah. of y'all give me another religion check. Yeah. I definitely would be translating all this to Fitzroy. Only a nine. Yeah. Da, da. A 11 and a nine. Yeah, y'all don't know. This could be, you know, an older god. It could be a fucking a, a new primordial being. It could be really anything you've never heard. It's definitely not something that is in the, the common pantheon or the common stories and religious tales that are told. Uh, this know, seems this to be is... something entirely different. Well, um, on, on this uh, rocking rocking boat, I think I'd like to uh, like to sort of sidle up near to this uh, near this person who's doing having a bit of a prayer ceremony with their red candles and see, uh, see what I can pick up sort of without trying to disturb them. Yeah. Are those the same folks that are giving us a nasty look? Uh, no. So there's one dude that's just like praying in the corner, and then there's like a couple of other dudes that are uh, just keep shooting y'all dirty looks. Yeah, I'm eyeing those 
the folks giving us dirty looks. <laughs> Keeping my eye on them. Amazing. Um, and sorry, could you roll? Give me a perception check. Uh, Fitzroy, you got it. Uh, only an eight. Not Fitzroy. Not doing well on this boat either. Uh, uh, I don't think you got motion sickness. With the sloshing of the storm, the and, the and the rain outside, the claps of thunder, and just how quietly this person is—you know—they're just trying to privately do their own thing. Um, mm. They've gone far, pretty far out of their way to like kind of carve out their own little section in the, in the hull of the ship here. Uh, you cannot really hear clearly what they're saying. They seem to be saying some prayer words. Meanwhile, you shot a dirty look at the uh, the group that was shooting dirty looks at you. Oh, yeah. Can you give me an intimidation <laughs> check? Yeah. Um, I almost... I think I'm actually gonna kind of walk up to them <laughs> and uh, uh, just mumble to them, uh, what are you looking at? And I'll also... Uh, uh, try to sort of sneakily cast thaumaturgy and make my eyes uh, like burn red a little bit as I say Ooh, that. Yeah, what's your spell casting mod? Uh, it is uh, charisma based, I believe. So go, go ahead and uh, add a plus one to your intimidation check. Okay, intimidation plus one. Yeah. Plus this would be 18. 18. Yeah, you shoot back the dirty look at them. And, and what, what did you use uh, Thaumaturgy to do? Thaumaturgy to just uh, make my eyes like burn red a little bit. Yeah, they burn red. Uh, and, and, the, and the three uh, people, uh, they kind of take a look at each other. And then they kind of like seem to like slink a little bit. So one of them gets up, walks over to you across the hull of the ship here. Um and says that's a mighty fine trident you got there and I'll uh, draw it from my back and give it a little spin Uh, yes I've had it for a while now it's a fine weapon yes yes uh, very unusual building material is that what is that wood is that metal Mm. I don't quite know it's coral Oh, it's, uh, it's coral. Came from the sea. It's pretty, uh, pretty awesome. Yeah. Would you mind if I held it for a second? I would. You, as you say that, (laughs) you also feel a pull originating from the trident that is Mm. compelling you, like, even more resolutely encouraging you not to give it up. Yeah. And I sort of draw it a little near to myself. <laughs> I would. I, uh, I would have a problem. Come on, buddy. Just let me see the trident. It looks really nice. I've never seen anything like it. You can appreciate it from right where you are. Well, I appreciate much right from where I stood. Appreciated the trident. Caught my eye as soon as y'all boarded the ship. Also caught my eyes the way you wobble and mule on the dock here, on the deck here. Belching, throwing up. Clearly not someone who's meant for the waves. At this, his two little buddies begin to laugh. <laughs> snicker, snicker, snicker. <laughs> I'm just uh, getting my sea like. Not on the trident. <laughs> I'm sure I'll adjust. 
Now, I'm not sure if you're a fool who got lucky or an unlucky bastard who's finally met his match. But Stipiso does not want you to wield his trident. Give it to me. No. I can ask again. This is a gift from the Trench Demon, and you are not meant to wield it. Give it back. If you want this trident, you're going to have to clutch it out of my cold, dead hands. I was hoping you'd say that. <laughs> Everyone, roll for initiative. Woo! Uh, what, what's happening? Oh, no. <laughs> we love starting a fight. Love a good fight. Uh, I got a 17. So all of the brown stuff here is just like crates, boxes, like uh, maybe part of a mast. Uh, up here to the right is a staircase. Nice. Okay. Great, awesome. So we've rolled for an initiative. Uh, it looks like, let's see here, uh, we're going to have one of these cultists going up first, and they are going to go ahead and strike at you with a scimitar uh, with a nine to hit on you, Tethryn. Uh, I'm able to lock that with an AC of 13. I use my trident to bash it away. Amazing. Another one of these guys comes up. Uh, uh, it's going to come in and flank you. We got another scimitar attack with a 10 that is going to miss. As we pass turn now to the man who was praying by Fitzroy. Uh, as he's going to turn around. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the high. <laughs> uh. <laughs> and he's going to gonna just call out the word DROP! And can you please make a wisdom saving throw, Tethryn? Yes, I can. Wisdom saving throw. This guy's a DJ. <laughs> drop the beat <laughs> everybody drop yeah that is a 14 14 uh, you can feel your fingers begin to loosen around the trident uh, but you are unwilling to let it go as we pass turn now to Fitzroy um okay so this this uh, okay. praying person who's just cast some sort of type of spell to try and make someone drop something is right by me right yeah Okay, well, I think I am going to uh, try to grab this person and slip the ring on their finger. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say you're going to have to grapple them first. Yeah. As an action, and then maybe the next turn yeah. you can try a sleight of hand to, like, slip the ring on the finger. How does that sound? Sounds good. That Hell sounds yeah, great. awesome. So grapple uh, contested... Um, your athletics against either their athletics or their... I think it's their athletics or their... Uh, acrobatics. Ac acrobatics, yeah. yeah. Well, awesome. uh, lucky for me, I'm not very strong or dexterous, so here goes nothing. Um, uh, oh, Christ, I got a 20! Nat 20! It's like acid jazz. <laughs> it's just like lounge music. Great. And he... Oh, 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 sorry. My guy got uh, an 11, so that is not going to work out well for him. Uh, great. Yeah, you you managed to get this guy in a grapple. You have him grappled. Put him in a full thing. Nelson. Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> gotcha. As we pass turn now to Tethryn. As I sort of like bash this one scimitar away or scimitar and uh, kick the other one away as I spin around blocking those two, I'm going to thrust forward with my trident to hit the one who was... Uh, giving me the dirty looks and yeah. trying to get me to give him a trident. 
with my trident, that is a 24 to hit. 24 hits. Go ahead and roll damage. And that's going to be nine piercing damage. Amazing. You spear this guy straight in the throat. He dies. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. Whoa. All right. Anything else with your turn? Uh, that is going to... I'll just, like, uh, yeah, set, set myself back in, like, combat position, and that is actually going to be it for my turn for this round. All right. Another one is going to come in and get a flank on you here. Okay. With a 21 to hit. Okay. You uh, take five points of slashing damage. Excellent. Five points of slashing damage. I'm going to take that. And as he uh, strikes me across my back, I'm going to turn again, eyes uh, gleaming red, and I'm going to use my reaction to Hellish Rebuke. Awesome. Um, As you do that, also give me a wisdom saving throw. I'll give you my dex save. Okay. It's a dex save of 11. Great. He got a 10. Ooh, nice. Um, And my wisdom saving throw is... Two. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, it is this moment that you feel the roar of the ocean come back into your ears. Okay. And you ha- hear just one drowned word coming through the churning sea. Kill. 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 <laughs> oh, yeah. This is a berserker <laughs> trident, and you are cursed. As long as you remain cursed, you are unwilling to part with this trident, keeping it within reach at all times. You also have disadvantage on attack rolls with weapons other than this one, Ooh, nice. unless no foe is within 60 feet of you that you can see or hear. Okay. You are also currently in the grips of the curse, and it has made you go berserk. While berserk, you must use your action each round to attack the creature nearest to you with the trident. If you can make extra attacks as part of the attack action, you use those extra attacks just reaching and clearing, moving to the next nearest creature after you fell your current targets. If you have multiple possible targets, you're attacking them at random. Okay. Um, and that is all you know currently. Ooh, excellent. Well, then I'm definitely doing this Hellish Rebuke. Yeah. Uh, you said he failed the dex save? He does. Uh, so that is going to be 2d10 for 16 points of fire damage. Full damage. Or no, I'm almost full damage. As I turn, uh, eyes kind of glowing red as he ignites in flames. You'll never get this trident from me. Another one of these. This guy just fucking spontaneously combusts and he dies. Oh my God. We go back <laughs> to the top of the round and it is in this moment that uh, uh, drawn in by the commotion, drawn in by the commotion here, uh, a couple of sailors have come down uh, from the from the deck. Uh, and you, we have three more of these guys kind of come in, come down the stairs just in time to see you immolate a man. <laughs> oh! Um, you hear them say, Yield! Yield! Drop your weapon! Uh, as one of these cultists is going to try and get you with his scimitar uh, with a 18 to hit. That's going to hit. For two points of slashing damage. I'll take that. Uh, you'll, you'll notice they're not listening. Uh, they, they did not drop their weapons. Uh, oh, geez. And we pass it now to the man who was praying before. This one God is going to cast spiritual weapon. Yeah. Going to cast spiritual weapon uh, and make it appear uh, a, a nice uh, glowing coral scimitar 
comes into magical being next to you. Uh, and he's gonna, uh, let me see if he can attack. Awesome, so it is, it's actually bonus action to cast spiritual weapon, and then you can attack this turn and bonus action to move it. Oh, oh nice. so there you yeah. go. So acts independently. Yeah, so we this scimitar. something every day. <laughs> this scimitar is gonna come down on you, Fitzroy, with a 20 uh, to hit. Uh, that's going to do it, uh, oh jeez. And it is going to deal unto you 10 points of damage. Oh boy, oh dear. We go now to you, Fitzroy. Ow, firstly, <laughs> ow. Um, uh, but that's okay. That's okay. Um, I'm going to try to slip this ring on this person's finger. All right. Uh, go ahead and give me a sleight of hand. I must say contested by their dexterity saving throw. Sounds good. Da, 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 da. Sleight of hand. 18. Ooh, that's pretty good. The man who was uh, praying before fails with a seven. Yes. You manage to slip the ring on his finger. He immediately starts drowning. <gasps> Cast a spell now, <gasps> you piece of garbage. <laughs> sea trash, motherfucker. You can see that he, 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 like, you still got him, like, grappled, and he's, like, like kind of, like, tearing at his chest, tearing at his, like, throat. He's, like, trying mm. to cough, but, like, all you just see is, like, little spurts of water come out. Yeah. Um... I'm yeah, gonna he's not, he's feel not looking like, like I'm he's actually be... choking him out, even though I'm not. Like, I've got him in a full Nelson. <laughs> and I'm acting to injury. Like a yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, he is not looking too good right now. Uh, he, he, he doesn't look like he can hold his breath for much longer. Fitzroy, anything else with your turn? Um, I, I guess that's probably my action, right? Um, yeah, that'd be your action. You have bonus action and movement. You can also drop the grapple at any time. Yeah, I think I'm going to actually just no. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna drop the the grapple and let him sort of uh, like like let him fall to the floor. And um, do I have movement still? Yep, movement. Yes, right. I'd I'd like to um, move sort of uh, closer to. Um, I, you you mentioned that there were some sort of crates and things like that in the middle of the room. Yeah. Um, I'd like to kind of go hide behind. They're sort of like I don't want to take the hide action, obviously, because I don't have that. But I'd like to move towards the this crate and sort of get myself between, uh, so that so that there's this between me and the the fight that's going on with Tethryn, as well as the guards that are coming downstairs, so that I might be able to you know better cast spells and attack them from a distance. Yeah. And also feel free to in. move your token as far as your perfect speed allows. Uh, okay, yeah. Oh, cool. It's got this whole thing. Oh, that's fun. Boom. Yep. You do so. Nice. He can't even take an opportunity attack because he's too busy drowning in huh. the middle of the air. It is hard to take any opportunities when you're drowning. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. All right, perfect. With that, that was we the message of Titanic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll if never only they, roll, Jack. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine that the heart of the ocean just made you drown on dry land? They could have fit a whole tabletop RPG on top of that door. <laughs> yeah, they could. Yeah, they had more than enough of space to like put down a board game, roll some dice. Yeah, you know, get it together, Rose. All yeah. right, with that we go now to the guards. One of them is going to come uh, barreling down the stairs here, and it's going to use his action to dash so that he's next up to uh, to Tethryn. Uh, we pass turn now to another guard who is going to use his action to dash towards uh, Tethryn as well. Uh, and he passed turn now to Tethryn. Uh, yeah, Tethryn is gonna rage. 
He's filled with uh, the infernal flames that just engulfed this cultist. He rages um, and then is going to uh, attack um, uh, Per the parameters that are the curse, you pick one of these at random. I'll roll a, 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 D6. a D6. And then uh, re-roll on a 6 or a 1. Me too. Uh, so I'll attack 2. Alright, perfect. Uh, go ahead and roll to hit. Because of my... Uh, Divine Fury. While you're raging, the first creature you hit on each of your turns with a weapon attack takes extra damage equal to 1d6 plus half your barbarian level. Perfect. So this is going to be the trident damage plus Divine Fury. Perfect. Oof. Go ahead and roll to hit with your trident. Uh, oh, that's going to be 11 to hit. 11 so does not probably hit. Probably not. Never mind. I'm going to do neither of those <laughs> things. <laughs> ah, anything else with your turn? Um, that's bonus action and attack. I don't think I'm going to move, uh, so I'm just going to stay there. All right, great. With that, we go ahead and go to another one of these guards who is going to go ahead and use his action to dash. Uh, you are now circled on uh, basically essentially four people around you here. Uh, we'll Bring go back to the top of the order with uh, one of the cultists who's here as he comes in with a scimitar attack. 15 to hit. Hits. You take five points of slashing damage. I'm going to have that to two. Great. Uh, the fanatic is currently actively drowning. They are going to try to remove this spell uh, or this uh, cursed ring from their fingers. So that is going to be... Oh, great. Yeah, they do so. They are able to pull, puff, pull the ring off of themselves as they fall to the ground. Uh, and they are just vomiting seawater, expelling it all from their lungs. You can even see that there are bits of kelp and sand that come out with it. A truly uh, grisly scene as he takes the ring and uh, throws it down onto the ground. Um, Wow. Great. That was their action. As a bonus action, they're going to make their spiritual weapon uh, move ever closer to Fitzroy. Mm. Uh, and they're going to use their movement to position themselves behind a large crate as we pass turn now to Fitzroy. Sure. Um, Fitzroy's going to um, move a little bit around the crate so that he can kind of get a slight, slight, slightly away from <laughs> this thing as yeah. best he can, sort of in pursuit of this, um, and get a better angle on all of the um, ruckus that's going on around uh, Terra. Uh, uh, Tethryn, rather, Terran. Um, and I think I'm going to cast Catapult and see if I can, like, grab, like, a crate or something yeah. and cast it and shoot it at um, at the at the mess of people. I'm hoping to hit everybody. Uh, I'm sorry, Tethryn, but uh, uh, there's a lot of people around you. I'm trying to help them out. Uh, trying to help you out. So, uh, I, I, if, if that's okay with y'all, yeah. I'm going to... Th- Throw that. Uh, that's going to be a deck saving throw of thir- uh, with a DC 13. Um, and which one of cast- these guys are you targeting? I'm targeting. I'm kind of trying to hit everybody in that area. Uh, choose an option. Do I have to pick it? Hold on. Let me just see. If I do. Uh, yeah. It, it, if it yeah. would strike a creature, and, and since it's an option, it's not an area between of one though. to five pounds, I'd say yeah. it's only one creature that would get targeted. No, totally. And I'm, I've changed my mind. I'm going to use Ray of Sickness, if that's okay. Yeah. Go um, for it. I'm going to use Ray of Sickness on, I guess, um, these are all, these guys are all here. Hey, um, does somebody seem kind of feeble uh, and already kind of hurt a little bit? No one here has taken damage. 
Okay, then... And everyone gonna... that took damage around Tethryn has already died. Has <laughs> they already died? Okay. <laughs> then I'm just going to aim it at one of the... Um, one of the people who was causing the conflict to begin with, the, yeah. one of the, not one of the new guards, but one of the shit talkers. Um, and uh, I'm going to cast Ray of Sickness at them. On a hit, the target, you have to make a ranged spell attack. Oh, yeah. so okay, so my ranged spell attack is 18. Yeah. Great. So the target will take 2d8 poison damage and then Beautiful. make, and then we'll use that con save. Yeah. Boom. Uh, that is 10 poison damage. 10 poison damage. Yeah. The, that cultist just drops dead. Perfect. Lucky for me, because I am a necromancer, I'm, uh, I get, uh, if I've killed somebody with a necromantic spell, which I believe Ray of Sickness is, mm-hmm. uh, yes, then I get uh, a certain amount of health back. Uh, nice. I get, uh, once per turn when you kill one or more creatures with a spell of first level or higher, you regain hit points equal to uh, three times its level if the spell belongs to the school of necromancy. So um, I cast the level at a first spell, so I get three HP back. Right? That's based on what we just, what I just read. Yeah, ray of sickness. Yeah, yeah. So you'd get, yeah, you cast it at first level. So three, yeah. Okay, perfect. I'm gonna give myself some three HP here. Nice. Boom. And uh, and I think uh, as a bonus action, I'm going to cast expeditious retreat uh, on myself. Um, and uh, then I'm going to uh, not move because I already used to cast expedition. All right, perfect. That will pass over to one of the guards with their spear in hand. They're going to try and stab you, Ethrin. Yield! Yield! Uh, with a 22 to hit, 7 piercing damage. I'm going to have that to 3. Perfect. Uh, the second guard is also going to make their attack with advantage since they are... Uh, Blanking you. Uh, nine to hit. They are going to miss. And pass turn now to Tethryn. Yield? <laughs> Never! And I'll attack. Uh, let's roll uh, a d4, and we'll do clockwise uh, starting from the top. All right. To <laughs> kind of pick. Let a four, I'll uh, attack uh, number nine, I believe. Number Great. nine is up top. Yeah, yeah, the guy uh, above you here. Go ahead and roll to hit. Okay, rolling to hit with my trident is going to be a 24 to hit. 24 hits. Go ahead and roll damage. That is going to be uh, 1d8 plus 6 for the trident, which is going to be 13 plus 1d6 plus 2. 13 plus 4 is going to be 17 points. Uh, sorry, 13 points of piercing and 4 points of necrotic damage. You strike this trident straight through this guard's uh, like chain shirt and stab them three like three punctured hole in the chest you draw it out and blood just oozes out they're dead oh god <laughs> ah. all right any more attacks or quite insatiable attacks? there tethryn please uh please be careful um i guess um let's see i'm using the trident two-handed so i don't have like two weapon fighting that i can use i don't think i can attack uh as a bonus action, or could I headbutt somebody as a bonus action? Yeah, you could headbutt someone as a bonus action. I'm going to headbutt somebody then. Great. <laughs> Go ahead and do this with disadvantage since you are trying to do damage with a weapon that is not the trident. Okay. Or the parameters of the curse. Cool. I'm going to do this. Uh, it doesn't look like I'm going to hit. That's going to be a 10. 10 is going to miss. Okay. The trident, uh, you hear. You can feel like the, 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 like, the tide inside of your head pull out. I'm swelling back in. Ooh, cool, cool. All right. Uh, try to shake it off. Pass turn. 
Uh, the cultist now is going to uh, come around here. They're going to get their uh, weapon to move oh, as no. much as they can make it. Uh, it doesn't look like they'll <laughs> be able to reach you. <laughs> I'm just slowly eking away from it. Not quite. <laughs> uh, but the, the cultist is also going to come out here and is going to try and get you with... Have any range spells? Yeah, there we go. Uh, go ahead and make a dexterity saving throw. Uh, oh boy, Fitzroy. Dexterity saving throw. I got an eighteen. Eighteen. Yeah, you do not take any of the sacred flame damage that comes hurling huh? towards huh? you, as this cultist. Uh, I love continues fire. to move ten feet. Yeah, they're gonna use their movement to uh, keep. Uh, kind of moving clockwise trying to get a better angle on you as we pass Ooh. turn now to you Fitzroy okay well since we're firing spells at one another I guess uh, t- t- uh, uh, tally ho as it were uh, I'm going to cast um, uh, I'm going to cast uh, <laughs> yeah let's let's do another let's do ray of um, ray of sickness at uh, at this uh, at this uh, cultist. Right, go ahead and roll to hit. Or, uh, yeah, roll to hit. yeah, yeah. Uh, casting, casting, casting. Pow, boom. I'm gonna cast it at a first level. Actually, I'm gonna cast it at a second level. Nice. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Boom. That's gonna be an 18 to hit. 18 nice. hits. Okay, and then I'm gonna roll my. Uh, I'm assuming my 3d8 here. Uh, that's going to be uh, nine points. Nine points. And they got Ooh. an 11 on their constitution saving throw. Okay. Which, um, I think yeah, my so they are not safeties. poisoned. Yeah. Okay. They. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So they're not poisoned, but they still take the damage, right? That's what happens. Correct. Perfect. Okay. Uh, take, take that. You, you have some poison in your, your lungs, too. And I'm gonna use my uh, I'm gonna use my, uh, my movement to go uh, 30 feet this way, um, just to get sort of uh, closer to the action that uh, Tethryn's dealing with. And then uh, I'm gonna use my bonus action dash because I can do that thanks to Expedition's Retreat. Mm. Uh, and uh, I'm gonna try and get behind the pillar uh, or like the crates or like the the, the support nearby where he is at. Um, sort of hiding from the action, but right near him. Nice. Amazing. <clears throat> Great. Uh, with this turn, uh, the guard is now going to say, oh, God, we're going to need some help down here. And he's going to use his action to dash away from Tetherin. I'd like to attack him. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> uh, as he Something's flees, moving nearby. I better kill slash it. slash out with my trident for 12 to hit. 12 does not hit as oh. they are able to uh, bat it away with their the back of their spear. Uh, they are able to make it up the stairs and out of the encounter uh, as they went back upstairs, uh, blowing on a whistle the entire time that they were keeping uh, there. Um, God damn it. Great. Yoink. Amazing. Nice. He's Perfect. just left his one friend downstairs. <laughs> we're going to need some help. See ya. <laughs> as the guard I'm going to need says, some help, man. <laughs> Dude, come back! The other guard who's facing it's like, oh, you didn't think this one through, did you? You got nowhere to go. We're on the open, on the open sea. And he comes at you with a spear of fourteen to hit. 
Uh, that is going to hit. He had it in two hands for a D8 of damage, but it only comes up to two damage overall. I will have that to one. He kind of looks down as you, like, shrug off uh, his spear poke, <laughs> uh, and, and he, you can see that he's getting a little a little nervous now as we go now to Tethryn. Uh, that just means I have to kill all of you. <laughs> and I'll oh my attack God. with my trident. <laughs> or... 21 to hit. 21 hits. That is going to be eight points of piercing damage, and then I'll suck his life force for another six points of necrotic damage, 14 total points of damage. 14 all. This guy dies. (laughs) Bet he didn't think that through. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Just standing uh, in a pile of corpses. (laughs) And then, let's see. So now I'm done. I've, I've cleared these folks. Have but you I even moved? I haven't moved. <laughs> Just laid Just, waste all these bodies. Stab, stab, stabby, stab. Yeah, you have five corpses around you right now. <laughs> um, I think, um, and I guess you'll. So, uh, what is the? Can I with? Because I'm uh, under the berserker mm-hmm. effect. Can I move? However, I want to. You do, but you have to be. Let, let me let me double check the uh, parameters here. Yes. Um, yeah, I might have to stay away from you. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm nervous that I'm going to bring my trident yeah, just, uh, on. Make sure you, you have to okay. be moving. You have to be moving to attack the next nearest creature after you okay. fell your current target. Oh, oh no. <laughs> so you got to go after Fitzroy. Okay. Hi, Fred. Uh, good job killing all those people. I'm <laughs> Why are you looking at me like that? Uh, <laughs> How are you holding your, your eyes? Are- Still glowing, which is weird. You don't have to. You can turn that off. <laughs> uh, I think just under my breath, I'm sort of mu- muttering, "Kill, kill, kill," yeah, and it. I'll run uh, this way. Let's see, I've got 30 feet of movement, I think. Uh, so uh-huh. I'm gonna head here, just like kill, kill. <laughs> my eyes are sort of glazed over as I turn towards Fitzroy. Awesome. You do have quite quite a lot of skill. I agree with did you. Sorry, are you saying skill, Bill? Who's Bill? I don't know what's going. What? Oh, oh, um, oh, no. Is there any, I guess, I'm curious, is there any way I could make some sort of a throw to try to go towards the other acolyte? No. That's the curse, baby. Dang, what a intense <laughs> curse. All right. Uh, uh, the, now, listen here. The Just other friends. cultist moves uh, their spiritual weapon uh, closer, as close to the, as they can get to the fray uh, as they move forward uh, and say, <laughs> you can't handle the power of the trench demon. And they are going to try and cast. Let me see. Please be within range. <laughs> oh yeah, Fitzroy. Oh. Can you please make a wisdom saving throw? Uh, uh, uh oh, okay. Um, uh, saving throws for wisdom. Oh. Oh no. <laughs> Just a seven. You feel <laughs> all of your muscles lock uh, tight as you become uh, paralyzed. Uh, um. Uh, uh, and let me see here. Oh, uh, dear. Remember when we had all that fun time talking about wavy drip? <laughs> oh, jeez. So you are incapacitated and can't move or speak, automatically oh. failing strength and dexterity saving throws. Attack rolls against you have advantage. Any creature that hits the... Any attack that hits you is a critical hit if the attacker is within five feet of you. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. As well, it... This may be the end of Fitzroy. <laughs> As we pass turn to you, Fitzroy. I, <laughs> okay. 
Can I do anything? Let me double check. <laughs> At the end of each of its turn, the creature can make another wisdom saving throw on a successful spell end. So since you can't okay. do anything your turn, trying to beat this is your turn. So go ahead and make another wisdom saving throw. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, here to here, here goes nothing. Uh, 16. You break it. Yeah! Ooh. Oh, thank God. Oh, boy. Um, oh, that's really good. <laughs> yeah, that is really good. Um, I'm assuming that I don't still have a bonus action, right? No, that would be yeah, the end of your that's turn. That's my whole turn. Okay. Yeah. Oh, there it goes. No movement okay. either. No movement either. Yeah. Okay. Okay. okay so anyway, that was. A, uh, sorry, I just had some stiff muscles. <laughs> I'm just like wiggling a little. Gil. Gil. And I'm gonna step <laughs> close, and I'm gonna tag. I'm gonna tag my boy. Oh, oh dear. I'm so uh, sorry. What's, um, what's going on, my friend? Is there and the, so and there's nothing I can do to like make a save of like not attacking. <laughs> oh no. dang. Maybe this cursed item will be busting me. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's going to hit me. <laughs> 21 uh, is going to hit me. Yeah. Uh, cool. That's going to be eight piercing plus <laughs> seven necrotic. I'm uh, down. No. I'm down. Yeah. Uh, you put me right down. Yeah. I was afraid of that. You're not, like, oh. impervious to necrotic damage. <laughs> Unfortunately, no, I'm not uh, impervious to necrotic damage. No. Okay. Oh shoot! Oh shoot! Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, that's my turn. That's my- oh oh. I've you only used five feet of movement. So when you go down, I'm gonna use my other twenty-five feet to get closer to this. Yeah. And I'm just going kill, 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 and I start charging at this uh, other uh, entity. Amazing. Uh, as we go back to the top of the order. Uh, the cultist is going to use uh, its action to dash as it runs 60 feet straight towards the uh, entrance here. It is at this time that the guard has come down with some more reinforcements. Uh, so there are oh, shit. four more guards that show up. Oh, shit. This is intense. You know, I'm used to my characters dying as a DM for, for you know, a bunch of people. But this is, uh-huh. this is I rarely, I don't think I've ever had played a PC that's died yet because every campaign I've played in as a PC has not finished. <laughs> so, and I haven't, I haven't, I haven't had that many sessions in some of them. So yeah, I'm excited to see what, I've never, I've never rolled a bunch uh, of death saves as a PC. Fitzroy yeah. may need to be making a, uh, uh, it may be a prequel episode then for Fitzroy. <laughs> yeah, if this is gonna tie into what we do in the basement, I gotta it's gonna have to be like a story of the past. Yes. <laughs> As the cultist is running towards the stairs and five guards are coming down them, the cultist is like, Please, please, he's gone mad. Just started butchering everyone in the hold. Please help me. So the cultist runs towards the stairs. Five guards are coming down, uh, the other guard having gotten reinforcement. The cult fanatic used all of their uh, movement and their action to move. So we're going to pass turn now to one of the guards who's going to come and dash towards... uh, Actually, no, he's going to come down uh, to his full movement uh, and is going to ready an action as he kind of stands steady, waiting to make contact with uh, whoever comes near him first. Fitzroy, we go to you now. Uh, please roll mm-hmm. your first death saving throw. Yes, yeah. Oh, uh, uh, oh, um, uh, uh, death saving throws. I'm trying to find them in here. If you Come go on. to the oh, here top of your yeah, character I sheet. I see it. Yeah. Here we go. I got a nine. Oh. What is a memory that flits through Fitzroy's head in this moment? 
Sure. Fitzroy remembers um, he's sitting at his graduation table. He's very excited. Um, You know, there's this, it's this large graduation hall. Um, Skeletons are walking around serving food and drinks. There's a big banner at the front. Um, And Fitzroy remembers that part of the graduation ceremony to graduate from uh, Faust Academy of Necromancy and Dark Stuff is that they all drink a, a specific concoction and they actually die for a moment and visit uh, visit the plane of annihilation and then they come back and so um, Fitzroy recalls the experience of that uh, and, and sort of the nervousness and the fear of death and then looking around kind of feeling like well I felt alone all this time at school I guess I feel alone here too and that's the mass memory he has Right. Oh. Pass it over to now another one of the guards uh, using his action to come up again, or his to come up against this uh, his friend here and ready in action as well. And we pass the turn now to Tethryn. I guess Tethryn's going to charge thirty feet here and throw a trident at the his trident at the first guard. Go ahead and roll to hit. Then, and does not hit. Dang it. You can feel instantly as the trident leaves your hand, uh, hear the roar of the ocean in your ears again. Your, your, your hand, like, you can feel the emptiness that this trident, like, like the, the, you can feel the weight. It feels as if a part of your soul is missing since this trident is not in your hand. Uh, anything else with your turn? That's it. All right, we pass turn to another guard who's going to come down. Uh, he's going to use his action to dash so he can make a proper, like, wall here. Mm. Uh, and the next guard is going to do the same, uh, holding his action uh, ready to attack you. Final guard is going to come into the same position as well, getting into a nice tight oh, links. <laughs> as we go back to the top of the order, the cult fanatic rushes up the stairs, tosses another look at you, and says... Stibiso sends his regards. And that is where we'll end our adventure. Oh. Woo! Oh man. Oh, I've never I've never died. I've never I've never been so hurt. This is crazy. And betrayed Dang. by my only friend. <laughs> <laughs> me. You felt me. It was brutal. It was brutal. <laughs> I started um, off the session by being like, my character has no friends. You're like, he has one friend. He has one friend. Me. And then you and killed me. me. <laughs> I mean, we yeah. only had one fail. So, you know, there's still space yes. for yeah. a story. There's room where... for Fitzroy and, uh, and us to rekindle our friendship. Yeah. Maybe Fitzroy, Fitzroy comes back to consciousness or maybe he comes back uh, undead, you know? Yeah. 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 Maybe he comes back as a thrall. There's, of the the trench demon. Yeah, there's there's <laughs> space for uh, him to make an appearance in the in a sequel. I think. Oh Definitely. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was what a crazy encounter. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. really love the way you built that. Half of you survived. One of you may <laughs> survive, depending on how Most future dice rolls would have gone. Um, yeah. yeah, great job, y'all. I'd love to just kind of start off and kind of get a baseline here. What was a moment from this encounter that? struck you that uh, is lingering in your mind still even in the after when we were in the 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 sort of initial premise i i, I always love happening upon a scene mm-hmm. um and of course that's what happened right at the beginning but i really liked sort of i there was kind of almost a fake out with the cursed item which was kind of fun like i thought like oh this ring is the problem for mm-hmm. sure the ring is the problem 
And you, you've found the trident, which I was like, because, you know, we walk in. Initially, the big thing is, okay, the, we're talking about cursed items. We've got this trident here. It's got to be yeah. the trident. We grab it. Nothing happens to us, really, except that we hear the ocean. And we're like, okay, so everything's kind of fine. So, yeah. of course, you're going to hang on to it. You're the big, sturdy guy. And you're protecting me. So, you hang on to the big weapon. Two weeks uh-huh. later, it's a huge problem that you've hanged on to the weapon. I would I, I just like the, the, the fake out at the beginning. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. glad. I'm glad. I definitely, w- w- in the building of it, I was really trying to make sure it wasn't like, that uh, that it wasn't like, like you said, exactly. Like, there was like, oh yeah, this is clearly the thing that's going to be cursed. Like the the dark you helm me. that's on, on the thing. So yeah. I, I'm glad that, that that paid off in a satisfying way. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I also appreciated you using the ring creatively later on. Uh, bring <laughs> oh, you that got back to. in. Um, yeah, you got to. I'm curious, um, because we didn't get to like the end of combat what mm. like how does berserker end like how do you yeah, get like, out what of happens, berserker let's say mode? let's say he kills all the guards right yeah. what's happening yeah. next right now so you are mode. berserk until you start your turn with no creatures within 60 feet of you that you can see or hear wow so it's fairly likely that you if i hadn't i mean maybe if if it's come back maybe there would be you know maybe i'd be able to like somehow incapacitate you so that we could get you out of that thing but it's, yeah it's not necessary I, I i would probably have tried to cast like blindness deafness on you or something that's instance. a good one yeah. yeah um because i have that stocked but i i um i i think like you know i i'm very curious because like you probably just would have tried to clean house on the boat as in t- and, yeah. and kill every person that was on the boat which <laughs> yeah. is pretty I like of until i fell yeah yeah yeah, yeah. In, I, I in, think, in, uh, it's a really cool like honestly Oh man, I don't know if I want to give this away, but I think I have a good idea for how I'm going to tie this into what we do in the basement. Ooh, um, you'll have to go check out that episode if you want. Yeah, to. I think I think I've just got a really good idea about how that might pan uh, out. What's fun is that the berserker weapon is one of the ones that's in the uh, DMG. I just reskinned it as oh, cool. a as a trident, cool, rather yeah. than I think it's like a great axe berserker axe or something. Okay, sure. Um, the other. Uh, cursed item was the ring and for that one i really wanted to encapsulate one of the other like thematic ideas of a um of a cursed item the idea of like save or suck uh for some of cursed items especially in older editions it was like you touch the cursed ring make a constitution saving throw you rolled an eight you died your soul left your body you can only be resurrected by wish Oh, and that felt like very extreme, but I liked the idea of having a thing that was like, as soon as you touch it, you're, you're in deep water. Literally. Yeah. Like literally. And I like that. I like that. It like immediately raised the stakes when my character put it on. Like I put it on and it was like, you're going to fucking die if you don't take this off. Cause it is, it is hard to like give people harsh consequences that they also have a moderate semblance of control over. Um, with your players and, and without like immediately putting them in, you know, it's not like you, like you illustrated, like no one wants to fall down a 300 foot hole just by chance. Right. Like you want to give them some, some hope of, of fighting, fighting back. And I think like there's a lot also Diego, beautiful aesthetic, by the way, the salt speakers and the, the, the coral and thank you. Oh man. Like, mm, very good. Thank you. Yeah. I liked the wooden masks was such a cool touch. Ugh. I love, yeah. Very, yeah, very I, 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 um, my fiance just recently finished uh, God of War Ragnarok, so I, I like oh, that ah, imagery was very uh, forward in my mind. Yeah, I see. Um, one one cool thing about the Ring of Drowning is that 
the parameters of the curse. Uh, when you put this ring on while not underwater, your lungs start filling with water. If you need to breathe and can't breathe water, you run out of breath after a number of rounds equal to your constitution modifier. Uh, then you drop to zero hit points and start dying. Oh. But if you put it on underwater, it would let you breathe as normal. <gasps> oh, that's Ooh. so cool. Man, that's that a cool item. Really cool. That's a cool and, item. And did you homebrew that like up based on what you were doing? Kind of a little bit. I um in my research, I looked up a, like to try and find just a lot of cursed item examples. Uh, sure. And there weren't a lot that were like fully mechanically fleshed out and like had the thing. Some of them were just like, oh, it would be cool if this did thing. Right. Um, but the the Ring of Drowning was one that I think has been making the rounds in like, you know, the general homebrew sphere for a while I now. See. So I was able to just take that. I didn't even have to really like modify yeah. too much of it. Um, the DC to take the ring off, you have to succeed on a DC 14 uh, Arcana check. Right. To, to I was lucky that I ring. stacked my Arcana because that's how I got yeah. it off. It would have been very funny if just like guest first like five right. seconds, <laughs> pretty much the first <laughs> thing down. I do, just put the ring on fucking kills me. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> like, yeah. Or like it, it, it comes to the point where they just need to chop your hand off to like get the ring <laughs> off of cool. you. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, th I love that it, it like it forces, like you said, it immediately raises the stakes. It immediately makes pe puts people in a problem solving mode. It's like, Okay, if I touch the ring, is something going to happen? You're right. Oh How no, I get we all tried to get the ring off. We can't yeah. get it off. Like, what happens now? I like. Um, I like it a lot. Yeah. Yeah, and I love that you like kept it and you tried to use it against another person. I think excellent. that I thought that was genius. Yeah, I, that was I really so much like. Fun. I really think that like one of the hardest things to do in D and D is like keep track of your cool shit. I think like mm, yeah. um and so. Um, you know, obviously we're doing like a little bottle episode and it's like easy to, to like kind of keep those things together. But it, it, it's like, I, I very much encourage, uh, like using the things the DM does as a DM. I love it when I'm like, oh shit, you do have that thing. Yeah. I gave my, like, I gave my players like what effectively was a, uh, like a deck of many things in a box. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's called the wild eye in our campaign. And like, you look through it and then. I roll this wild magic table that's sort of a mix of homebrew and, and things that I've done and things that other people have done. And it, it like one one of the days, I think one of the things that happened in our campaign was it like literally reset the day. And it oh. like so Dang. and they they like stuck it to the yeah. eye of like they were they were in a dire situation, shit was not working out, and then one of them just put it to their eyes and it like started from scratch. And as a DM, wow. you're like, fuck. <laughs> like I have to reset the day now. <laughs> but oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> but at least it made planning for those sessions kind of easy because I already knew what happened. So yeah, um, yeah. you know, but I, I love like pulling things out of the like so players, if you're listening, like hang on to those things and whip them out. Keep them for sessions, you know? Yeah. Keep them yeah. for sessions and then bring out that ring again and stick it on the baddie's finger while he's doing his speech. And uh it's just fun. It's just yeah. fun. I imagine if we if this was part of like an actual larger continuous actual play, right? The, the two weeks between the, we the sea cave. Exactly. It would have been a lot of more fun uh, to like, to see that. Uh, uh, and that's what, that's why I included that time jump, right? Yeah. At the and, very beginning, and you could probably talk. role play like the, 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 the back and forth between like what's happening with the sea, uh, the, the, the trident and how that's impacting exactly. uh, Tethryn and like what, you know, what that, like he goes to sleep and every time we're doing like a short or long rest, you have like a conversation with this sea demon, right? Like this yeah. the, the trench demon. Yeah. I just think it's cool. One thing that I think um, when I, in the planning of this episode, that was kind of at the forefront of my mind, I was like, 
these cursed items, the way they are meant to function in 5e, it really depends on either really good, being really good at not metagaming <laughs> and al or also yeah. being really good at the release of information. I was imagining that the combat that happened on the ship was maybe like the first combat that happened that they had in two weeks or right. like mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. at least you at least hadn't gotten hit. And this was the first time you failed that uh, wisdom saving throw to see if it, it triggered the berserker rage. Mm -hmm. And right. so that was something that I was really kind of trying to be very careful when I was navigating is when do you find out what? Because if I told you you pick up a ring, it's cursed that changes what the right what like the, the difference between what happened with the Dr ring of drowning which is like we immediately understand what the deal is yeah. with this fucking thing mm -hmm. and and it, it, all your cards are on the table pretty much and so we understand its functions and how consequences of using it whereas like the spirits like okay cool we've got this weapon and that is so much fun right to like give your players something that just seems kind of nice it's like oh it's plus one that's cool and then like okay in like a couple of sessions or in like a session or two we're gonna figure out this you know and 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 yeah. let it let it pan out uh, i think that's like it's hard to know narratively because because i think that cursed items really serve a really strong narrative purpose like mm -hmm. i really think you can build you can build like they can be such campaign hooks right this can be yes. something yeah. that, that's going to pull you in a whole different direction like we could have been we were on a different mission right we could have been there that could have been session five like session five or six or seven or eight or nine or ten or whatever in our campaign that we're playing and then all of a sudden, we've now got a whole new campaign hook to go deal with this trench demon that that we were just trying to solve a town's problem. I just think it's like a really cool way of layering in um, like, you know, strong stakes that don't like you don't have to address that right away. We could yeah. carry around that trident for for, like you know. Levels and levels and levels, um, yeah. and 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 you might be trying to buff your, but if you, if you if it gives you enough stuff, you might be trying to buff your saving throws just so you can continue to use it if it's really good, right? Right? Like you know yeah. maybe the trident gets more powerful, and maybe you're mm -hmm. like, well, shit, I don't want to lay this thing down. I don't care that it makes me like go crazy. I want to try yeah. and like withstand it. I don't know. I just think yeah. it's great, and it's definitely an interesting balance, especially playing like a barbarian who is. Already Especially raging. the character that I created, which is like, yes, let's burn everything to the ground. You know, like very violent, very like ready for a fight. Yeah. Uh, like th this weapon in particular, I, I was like, oh, this is really interesting, like character growth of like if he comes out of this, you know. Uh, Are you I, still going to be gonna this be like, like hyper violent person, right? Yeah, like, or is know? he going to change his ways? Like, I'm sure he's going to be distraught. Depending you just on killed the person you were trying to protect. Yeah, just like, oh, I, this totally undid everything. Like, is he going to seek retribution from this uh this god or this deity that mm -hmm. he's gained this weapon from mm -hmm. um so i definitely think like character wise in this specific encounter it was really fun to see like you can really see the thematic uh or the character arc of dealing yeah. with this weapon uh a also brutal to put it in a ship where like 60 mm -hmm. feet is the t entire range yeah yeah of the Crazy. uh uh, area so it's like you got to get out of the this whole box that we were playing in i uh, think to escape um, the berserker yeah. range uh that was cool i think that like one of the nice things about having both of these cursed items in here diego was that like we got to see sort of one that if you want to include a cursed item in your campaign that's just sort of flavor and not going to totally like send your players on a different mission yeah that's something like the ring of drowning or something with sort of like a here's it's almost like a trap in an item right like it's like here's a here's a little function that it's got here's mm -hmm. here's these things how do you want to use it 
and versus like if okay here's a big narrative chunky thing that's gonna that's gonna move you along gonna give you some whole purpose and you know the the whereas the ring we don't have all this lore dumped into it there's not like an enemy that we want to kill with it there's not uh, a way to remove the you know it's kind of just a tool that that your players get versus this trident that gives you all this stuff but at this massive cost that narratively Mm -hmm. we want to unpack you know Mm -hmm. so i think that's kind of a neat uh balance of the two different at least the sort of two what seemed to me to be kind of like the obvious binary of cursed. Yeah. 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 Just trying to give, yeah. Give a full sense of that range for sure. One thing mm-hmm. that I, I, I came across in my research that I think is a good, like nugget of wisdom for DMS to take is that a good cursed item is gonna urge you to like complicate your values. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause like you said, mm-hmm. like when you're getting this cool buff, Right, right. With, the, with the berserker trident, uh, but it comes at this negative cost. Like, what does your character do when faced with like with that? You know, do, do they give up on their values a little bit? Do they concede a little right. bit? What are they willing to give up for that bonus? And how does that change them over time? Can be a really good like role playing prompt. Mm-hmm. Um, you want you see DMs it- complain a lot about like you know um, like sort of characters that love like killing to like a sort of an unreasonable degree. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, trying my most eloquent way to, to spell out like people who are just obsessed with slaughtering towns. Murder um, hobos. But yes, murder hobos. And the character, the, the, like a cursed item is a really good way to kind of be like, like, I just don't know if I could imagine a murder hobo playing with this trident and being like, okay, you slaughtered the, like, is, are you happy now? Like, like, you know, there's gotta be a certain role playing consequence to this. And I think yeah. that's, that, that encourage it earlier. We were talking about how we think that curse items will present an opportunity for players to like role play. Um, and, and that may not necessarily be so inclined. And I think that we're, uh, if you, Michael, if you were playing your character that way, which you weren't, but if you were, yeah. um, there, cause there's obvious room for it to become like that. I think, I think that there's there's an opportunity for you to kind of like, you know, really actually say, okay, wait, what, maybe I don't need to just do this, right? Right, So, you know, good good little way to kind of bring people out of their shells. One last kind of question I wanted to uh, get from the room here was um, how to break the curse. A lot of the cursed items in Mm. 5e, it's uh, you have to cast remove curse on them. Mm. Um, And that will, if it doesn't like, it won't remove the curse from you know, the Berserker Trident, right? Like, it will still be yeah. a berserk, a cursed Berserker Trident, but now you aren't cursed to it. You aren't bound to its rules. Like, right. the curse you're removing the curse from you. the individual, not the, not yeah. the item. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. And remove curse is a third level spell, so it's not, you know... Not like I, everybody I a, has it. Yeah. Yeah, a sixth level party would probably have access to it, um, anything, or have at least have the option to get access to it, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you're playing like a wizard, um, so I think like that's that's like it can't. I think that might be a big reason why people don't use them that often. Um, that's what I thought too. Yeah, because it it it's too almost too trivial to remove the curse if someone just needs to take remove curse. My initial my immediate reaction to that kind of information is is that like I think perhaps uh, my advice would be like as a DM would be like definitely probably also write in um, a sort of you know, give yourself another way, uh, yeah. give, 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 give you and your, your, your players and your party, give them an individual, even if you want to keep it super rules heavy, like keep, keep it, give, make sure that there's an individual that you've planted as a seed of that will have removed curse somewhere yes. nearby or at some point. But, but 
I would argue like with with the Trident, for example, um, we might we might gain over the course of an adventure with this, we might gain some information about how to like depower certain things of it or because the the Dungeon Master's Guide, as you said, does not provide a lot of um, uh, information about curses. I think that's kind of inviting DMs to say, listen, like you you decide what the mechanics of how you turn it up, turn it down, turn it off are. And I think that that's probably a I would advise a DM who's using a cursed item to to give it some layers uh for yourself so that your players don't just go seeking out this insane spell that's right. tough to get, you know? Like I I think that's it's scary to feel like it's kind of like paralyzing a player or 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 knocking yeah. out a player when you want them to feel like they're having fun for like a long-term game. Like you don't mm-hmm. want to do that for like a six-round battle. They're just like stunned or paralyzed. It's like, right. okay, like same kind of idea, but long sort of stretched it out here. Let's give people a couple of outs. They don't have to take, and you can choose to put those behind all kinds of things, right? That's the DMs, yeah. uh, you know, play, play box, but yeah. That's I what that's, I was thinking too, like that there would be maybe like way. remove curse makes it so that like, you are not cursed by the item. Cause there's like the idea of like the curse that exists in the item. And then the curse that yeah. extends to the person. Cause even right. if you had like lost that trident, right. You still would have had disadvantage on attack rolls with weapons that aren't the trident. Right. Even if the trident is at the bottom of the ocean. Right. Uh, so like the remove curse might like remove that part of it, but maybe there's going to be like a whole quest that is like, if you want to keep this trident and you really love it, it's, you're going to yeah. have to go through like, multiple steps to like break this ancient powerful <laughs> magic on it totally mm-hmm. like yeah. sacrifice a trout in the fucking new moon at like the <laughs> the place where the river meets the sea something like that yeah, something yeah. that's like i do think it's fun though to also have like a narrative alternative to like it can only be removed by remove curse right. i think having a fun way to be like you know is it if you pledge fealty to this deity that mm. is given yeah. it to you but like having I think giving your players multiple pathways to accomplish goals is fun and exciting. And if they're like, Ooh, I think, and if if they have an idea of like how, you know, a process of removing the curse could help with their character growth, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. that would be cool too. I think in this specific situation, which is so scary, especially, I think part of that is we don't have a bigger party is like, as soon as we're in combat, Fitzroy is immediately in danger. I'm the only other person there. Right. <laughs> so this in particular is like, oh, I don't know that I could like, yeah, throwing it overboard might be the best way to deal with it in the meantime, because uh or or giving it to somebody else to yeah. like, uh see if they'll get the curse instead or or if it'll or keep linger. it around and just don't attune to it, because then you still get a nice little like plus one trident. Oh, mm-hmm. that's true yeah. too. Because you have to it could have like the it. levels, right? Like you know, maybe it's not as good if you don't attune to it. But yeah, I will say if you like the flavor of uh, the trident specifically, I know there is also a trident that you can recall. Uh, oh, that's so fun. once you throw it, yeah. it comes right back to you, or little, it like, uh, materializes in your action. Yeah, like and Hades, I, that game's fire. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I think that would make this trident, uh, especially given the narrative of like it wants to. Yeah, it you, wants you to continue kill, hold on to it, like, like it coming back to you. to you. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. So, yeah, uh, oh, if yeah. you like that, I would say flavor it that way because that would make it just that much worse. We'll also yeah, have the yeah. stat blocks for the uh, two cursed items featured in this encounter in this episode uh, down in the little show notes here for anyone who wants to put that in their games. Awesome. Yeah. And I'm gonna bug. I'm gonna bug you for some stat blocks so that I can uh, do a little bit of a tie-in. 
Yeah. Oh, nice. Yes. yes. <laughs> Stay tuned for the What We Do in the Basement Dungeon Busters lore tie-in. <laughs> yes. Hell yeah. Uh, well, yeah. as we wrap up here, Kevin, I would love to ask you, I have two questions for you. Um, one, is there anything about running, like DMing an actual play versus DMing a homebrew that oh. you would suggest to people who are maybe interested in running an actual play for themselves? Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll leave that as my first question. Sure. I've got a Let me tackle point. that. That's a big one. So, yeah. um, I won't, I won't riff for 30 minutes on this, but I do have <laughs> a lot of thoughts. Um, uh, so you're talking about advice for people who want to start like an actual play podcast. Like yeah. Let's play. My advice is it's it's a it's a great amount of fun. It's a lot of work. Um there is a fair amount like the ed- I mean it doesn't have to be. You can release it uh, you know just raw every time, but I do think that podcasting is a different uh, it's a totally different thing than playing D&D. They're two mm-hmm. totally separate things. So how good you want to be at it and how how successful, however you define success for yourself and your podcast, that all matters. And make sure that the people that you're working with, this is true of all collaboration. You're all on the same page. You're all aiming mm-hmm. at the same targets. Yeah. Um, all of that is to say, when you are doing this, Get get some decent microphones. My microphones are so good that you can probably hear my cat screaming from the other door, uh, <laughs> uh, from outside the door. But the 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 thing I suggest is to make sure you get equipment and those kind of things ready and set up, and then theater of the mind. Try so mm-hmm. hard not to get too invested in the tabletop. Be descriptive as a DM, and um, I think make sure that when you are you're you got to keep combat kind of tight. Um, you don't, you can't be as, I don't think you can be quite as crunchy. I think that let's plays lend themselves well to, to DMs who are flexible. That's why most, and and players too. That's why all my, my, my players are versatile improvisers. They are all Mm -hmm. people who do comedy with me and things like that. And I think that the, it's very beneficial to make sure that what you are doing is going to be you have to make sure you're enjoying it enough because if you're going to be the one sitting in the editing bay cutting up your episodes and doing those yes. kind of things you yeah. have to make sure you're passionate about it and that I, i'm not trying to heat anybody against it it's a it it is a much saturated market that is also something that you should do if you want to because putting up mm. i i love editing it's like a fun thing for me so yeah. and i like adding in cool soundscapes and doing all these things so make sure that you are definitely like interested in creating a cool product like an audiobook. Yeah. Um and and also just like don't try to make don't try to be another podcast. My podcast is inspired by not another D&D podcast and a few other ones out there, but like mm. the truth is if you're sitting in your room with your friends and you're trying to do something fun, that's probably what the core of is going to keep motivating you to come back. If everyone's like yeah. trying their hardest to do critical role 2.0 or whatever the fuck else it is that they're fans of or this show or my show, I think like you're not me. You're not you guys. You're not um, yeah. whatever the super famous DM's name is that I've just totally blanked on. Yeah. Uh, Matt, Matt Mercer. Mercer I'm there guessing, we are. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Unnamed uh, famous DM. <laughs> probably in, the I most mean, there's notable. There's plenty of them. They can fill in the blank for themselves. Yeah. yeah um, just just be yourselves. I know that's fucking dumb, but like, yeah, this is yeah. a project that is big. So take it on with like your heart, you know? I love that. That's very yeah. good advice. Solid, solid advice. That's Sorry, so what was cool. your second question? I hopefully. Uh, well, because I know you've got some fun improvisers at your table, I was going to ask like, what are some maybe tips for like, I don't know if you've run into maybe 
uh, conflicts at the table. Or again, it sounds like you've got some good collaborators, but like they also may be going kind of crazy and in many different directions at the same time. Yeah, what do you do yeah. to like bring Manage the table the together? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think um, it's, it's a different struggle. I think that that's like a, like part of it is like before we started recording and sometimes, you know, we do check-ins and things like that as you, sh- you should do with your table when you're playing things. And especially when you're making stuff that's going to be put out there and everyone's name is going to be on it. You got really got to, do you think so? Firstly, it's like a matter of like making sure that people understand like this is good table stuff, but like making sure that I understand the DM is kind of really holding the 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 story mm-hmm. together. And and but I'm very much in the in the uh like I think sometimes it can be a matter of like players might be wanting to push um s- certain things and the chaos can feel like a bunch of people are trying to do different stuff. And mm-hmm. I think um sometimes it's a good idea. Uh, we we so that that graduation hall that I described uh, in in Fitzroy's flashback. Yeah, the way that I did that is that we I knew I was going to do a flashback into a um, into a, a graduation ceremony for the characters in another episode in our show. And mm. what I did was I allowed them all to paint the hall. So I was like, "What is something that you would see at a necromancy graduation?" And someone picked the skeleton yeah. serving, and then someone else chose this kind of decor and these kind of functions. And these are all flavor. And as a DM, we trade in flavor, right? Like, this is like, I'm going to take yeah. this thing. and just, So things that don't have consequence, but also like, I don't know. I don't <laughs> I don't take my stuff super, super seriously. So if you think that this thing is going to happen all of a sudden, I'm like, yeah, let's just, just try that out. And so part of it is about being open. But I think also like, if your players are all pulling each other in different directions, it might be because they all have stuff they're just, they just passionately want to contribute to what's going yeah. on. So um, try to tie them together or try to see like, okay, sure. You help, help me develop this thing for this person. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. you know, cause we, we can't pull everybody's threads at the same time. Not everything's mm-hmm. always going to be interconnected because it's, it's hard sharing that spotlight. Yeah. And, 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 you know, as a DM making sure I'm, this is the improviser in me, but like, I, I, I look at this as like, I'm painting, but you guys are deciding the colors, which helps cause I'm colorblind, but like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think so. Like, let them, let them choose the colors and, 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 and keep painting with it. And if they have a different brush stroke, like let them try. It's easier to speak yeah. in metaphors than it is to give real advice. So. <laughs> no, I, I, I totally understand. And, and it's so much helpful. I think as a DM, uh, having your party help you yes. world build. So you don't have to come up with every single idea to be like, yeah, what does this graduation look like? And let's yeah. just accept that. Yes. And that yes. and keep moving forward. Yeah. Like I wouldn't advise someone to do a let's play, for example, if they just had a story they wanted to tell, I would, I would say like, go write that book. Like, yeah. you know, if you want, if yeah. you want to do a let's play there uh, to me, D and D is supposed to be collaborative storytelling. That's how I yeah. always describe what it is initially to people. I think that, and especially when you're doing a let's play, yeah. it's like, I'm doing it with, I, if I just wanted to tell you the story of Alanis uh, and, and what we do in the basement's world and realm, I would just record it uh, and right. write it. I don't yeah. want to do that. I want to see what all my funny friends add to it. So, right. you know, that's that's my perspective. That's yeah. great, great, great advice. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today, Kevin. We really this was appreciate a having you here. Yeah. yeah. I'm so, I had so much fun. <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, and if you want to check out more of Kevin, make sure to check out what we do in the basement as well as Oops All Segments. Uh, we actually did an episode on Oops All Segments, so you can go check that out. It was out a blast. Yeah, it was so much fun. Yeah. yeah. We did some D&D games that you guys we brought did. with us, some segments. Yeah. yeah we one's did. very we casual, did. and they're very different. So if you yeah. don't like one, try the other. <laughs> yeah. We talked about magical items, not cursed items. but uh, That's right. That's right. Yeah. 
Uh, Kevin, <laughs> anything else you wanted to uh, plug or mention before? Yeah, you know, I think like play play games and have fun with your friends. Uh, if you want to plug something, I don't know. I doubt that um, people that uh, are are listening to this live in the city that I live in. So I won't plug the restaurants that I'm opening necessarily. Okay. But instead, I will just make sure that people know that they can find what we do in the basement at WWDITB on all social media. And then if you want to see a casual show where Thomas, who's on what we do in the basement, has also been on this show, and myself do segments and do stupid things, check out Oops All Segments. Thank you so much, guys. This was yeah. a blast. Thank uh. you for joining us. And thank you all for tuning in to uh, Dungeon Busters. We will see you next time. Bust you later. Thanks for scrolling into this episode of Dungeon Busters. Did you get inspiration from today's experiment? Then consider leaving us a review on your podcast platform of choice. Did we miss something? Would you have done it differently? Let us know on social media at Dungeon Busters Pod. That's D-N-G-N Busters Pod. You can follow me on socials at Michael underscore C underscore Hyatt. And you can find me, Diego, on my website, foreverdm.xyz. Thank you to Peter Gertes for our cover art. Our intro music is by Artle Music. Produced and edited by Michael C. Hyatt and Diego F. Salinas. Thank you all for joining us for season two of Dungeon Busters. This season, we're going to be dropping episodes every other week. So stay tuned. We'll see you then.